Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. This episode, like the last episode, is per request. So when I canvassed for suggestions on Instagram, this was one of the requested topics, and this is something that is applicable to all of us, and it applies to men, to women. If you are human, this is relevant to you. It's been talked about before. It still needs to be part of our conversation, and this is something that really can affect your life overall. And the topic is self-love. And I'm really excited to dive into this. I hope that you walk away from this maybe hearing a fresh perspective, a new angle to consider. I hope this provides value to you in some way. If it does, I would love to hear about it. Reach out on social media and or I would love if you leave a review on iTunes. That's how I can keep delivering content and let me know that I am on track to deliver content that is valuable to you. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Okay, let's get right into it. Self-love is not always about massages and candlelit baths. That's kind of what is advertised, right? But it's not just about that. Sometimes it's about tough love. It's about digging in and doing shadow work. And shadow work is when you really sit with the parts of yourself that aren't comfortable, those parts of yourself that you repress, Maybe they're trauma-induced, they're insecurity-driven, and it's when you really get down into it. And it's not always fun, but it is so, so worth it, and it's transformative. And so self-love, it's about calling yourself on your bullshit. It's identifying and eliminating your toxic habits. As with everything in life, balance is crucial, and boundaries don't just apply to other people. They're not just to apply to other people. They're not just interpersonal. They should be intrapersonal as well. So let's talk about some examples of some toxic habits. Choosing fear over love and this manifests as gossiping, judging, etc. Not taking care of your body. Surrounding yourself with toxic negative energy. Not standing up for yourself seeking validation, particularly external validation, holding yourself back, procrastinating, etc. Do any of these hit home? And if you're like me, a lot of them do. A lot of them have. And when you do recognize your toxicity or missteps, try not to beat yourself up. Give yourself grace and understanding. Forgive yourself no matter how minor or major the issue is. And then choose again. Choose to be better. And I have done a lot of self-reflection and inner work. And I'm happy that now, instead of berating myself when I screw up or let my ego take control, because it happens and it does happen and I'm human, I now simply but firmly tell myself to be better. Gently but firmly tell myself, be better. And I say this with love to myself, but I say it again firmly. And in the past, if I would have messed up, I would have spiraled in self-disappointment and criticism and kicked my own butt. And now... I acknowledge my error and firmly but lovingly tell myself to be better. 
And it's as simple as that. And that shift is key. Being firm, but being loving and not letting myself off the hook, but still loving myself through it all. And love and empathy motivate me more than criticism and chastisement. I don't know about you. I really respond more to love and to honey than I do to vinegar. And whether it's coming from myself or others, that's how I really am motivated to change or to act. So I energize and encourage myself with love. Get to know yourself. It's key to connect to yourself. And that is the message and idea behind the nativist is tapping into yourself, your instincts. Check in with yourself regularly, ideally multiple times a day. Try doing a body scan. So scan your body and see how it feels. Notice how certain emotions show up in your body. Does your neck tense? Your shoulders? Do you constantly clench your jaw? Do you hold your breath? I find I actually really often do hold my breath and simply exhaling is remarkably restorative. Seriously, try that shiz. It is incredible. You'll see what I mean. Honor your body's ebbs and flows and live your life accordingly as much as possible. Some days you'll feel amped and energetic, ready to take on the world. And other days you'll feel lethargic and low energy and just want to couch it up and not do a damn thing. And such is life. And that's nature. There are ebbs and flows in nature. It's unrealistic and unnatural to operate at 100% 24-7. Not even animals do this. Like in working out, the rest is actually where the real magic happens. Same goes for the creative process or business process, or anything else. When you're at rest and relaxing or playing, your mind is able to make connections and come up with solutions and brilliant ideas. And researchers are finding this more and more, which is really, really cool if you have read up on it. Daydreaming and play aren't frivolous. They're actually strategic and smart if you want to perform optimally. Isn't that rad? And in his book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, Greg McCown, he explains it well. Don't force it just to spin your wills because you will just spin your wills. If you're a creative like me, you know this all too well. Or even if you're just a human, if you force it, you are just going to spin your wills and not get anywhere. You'll just waste time. So ride the waves, leverage the ebbs and work with the flows. If you had a gut feeling Would you be able to recognize it? Are you sufficiently in tune with yourself and your body? If not, no biggie, don't beat yourself up. But you can get there. And a great way to get there um, is through meditation or sitting in stillness. At the very least, do a full body scan when you climb into bed. If you're worried about something, try keeping a notebook by your bedside and unloading your concerns onto paper. It's magic. Committing them to paper offloads them from your mind especially if there's an aspect you think you'll forget. And here's the really cool part. Your subconscious will work away at them while you're sleeping. So if there's an issue you're trying to work through or a problem you're trying to solve, your subconscious has your back, it is on it. And then when you wake up, you'll often be surprised to find creative solutions come to mind. This also happens after working out too or just stepping away. There have been so many times where I've been editing pictures and I've hated hated whatever I'm looking at, whatever edit I have applied and whatever I've done to the picture and it just doesn't look right and can't get it. And then I'll step away. Um, and then magically it just clicks and it's incredible. And also part of dialing in with yourself is paying attention to what your normal is. Everybody's normal is different. And this goes 
for mentally and physically speaking. This is invaluable when it comes to detecting medical changes and medical issues. You need to know what your body typically feels like, what your default is, and not that this can't be changed, and that's part of what we're talking about is evolving to the point where you're feeling good, but know what your baseline is. Speaking of mental and physical health, take care of your body. Move it and give it nutritious food, not for how you look. This is not what we're talking about, though there is no shame if that's part of your motivation. Again, full acceptance here. This is a safe space, but try to focus more on how you'll feel. That has been invigorating for me, focusing on how I feel. That drives my decisions more than anything, what I put into my body, and I'm if you want to call it a clean eater, but this isn't, again, to look a certain way or to fit into a certain size, that has nothing to do with it. It's how I feel. And I know I feel so much better when I eat foods closest to their natural form, when I eat foods that don't come in a package, when I eat, um, well, when I stay away from dairy and gluten. And again, this isn't a fad. This isn't a trend. That's how my body feels better. And that's important to me to make my body feel better and to honor that. And as I've talked about before on here and in my blog and on Instagram, I had a pretty extreme eating disorder and it was really bad. I had to get therapy and I have come through it. And well, it wasn't just an eating disorder. It was also um, extreme disordered eating and exercise. Y'all, I was exercising eight hours a day and that's no exaggeration and then eating next to nothing. I was putting my body through torture. I cannot believe my body is still with me after all that I put it through. And what I have found for myself that helps is focusing not on how I look, but on how I feel now and how I will feel in the future. And with a big emphasis on how I'll feel in the future. And I don't want to be decrepit and in pain when I'm 50 or even 80. And I want to still be limber and agile. I want to still move around and go do things if I want to go do things. I don't want to let immobility hold me back from living life. I want to feel younger than my years. I want to still get out and adventure and explore. And this mindset helps free me from the chains of body dysmorphia and obsession with physique. It has made all the difference for me. So those times that you don't want to stretch or you don't want to exercise, Think about how you'll feel in the future. It's an investment in your body, continual investments. And stretching has been my main thing lately that I've really tried to focus on because that's not what I want to spend my time doing. If I am working out, I want to spend it just going all out. But more and more, I have discovered how important stretching is. And to drive home the importance of stretching, I worked with a guy who played college football. uh, I think it was Division One. He was pretty pretty good at what he does and he served a mission and his coaches told him if you only have 10 20 minutes a day don't work out stretch make stretching your priority and then work out if you have time so that really highlights how important stretching is right and if you're not mobile and if you're not limber then that impedes your strength and I mean I've gotten into that in a past episode too but really just take care of your body And also going back to body dysmorphia and focusing on your physique, when I do exercises, I focus on how much stronger they'll make me rather than how they'll make me look. As you've heard, well, many of you have heard, if you're familiar at all with the fitness world, you can't target certain or spot reduce certain um, fat deposits or areas of your body. 
like you have to just go for the, like the full body. Um, so you can't just do ab exercises if you want your abs to look a certain way. It's not as simple as that. Um, so when I do exercises, I focus on how strong I'm going to be. And when I look at my body, I think of all it does for me. My heart pumps 24-7, keeping me alive. My arms and legs throw around heavy weights and allow me to carry and race my niece. I used to hate my quote-unquote big arms. So plot twist, now they're a source of pride for me. I love them. I am so proud of them and the strength that they show. And what prompted the shift was my dad and then later a guy I was seeing complimenting me actually on how awesomely strong they looked. Like they were genuine, genuinely like, oh my gosh, your arms are so strong. Look at that muscle. And it totally threw me off at first because what I saw as such a negative, they viewed as a total asset. What a trip. And it was enough for them to comment on it. Wow, I was floored, totally blown away. So embrace your body. Realize it's unique and different from another's and what nutrition exercise regimen um, works for one won't work for another. So just because your friend started a new diet, let's say she's on the keto diet or a new exercise regimen and has had banging results, doesn't mean it'll have the same effect on you. And that doesn't mean you're broken or faulty or that you need to try harder or that you're lazy. No, please no. No, 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 no. What works for you, you need to really dial into and that get, comes from getting to know your body. So notice what works for you and that relies, again, like I said, on getting to know yourself and what your baseline is and what how your body responds to certain foods and exercises and just really get familiar with yourself. For example, mentally, I love high intensity workouts. My body doesn't. So not only do they drain my energy and deplete my adrenals, they inflame my body, making me feel bigger, look bigger, and making me feel sluggish and thick and not thick in a good way. And certain foods cause certain reactions in my body. And through paying attention and trial and error, I've started to crack the code on what my body wants, needs for optimal feeling and performance. I drastically cut back on cardio. I prioritize prioritize HIT, H-I-I-T, high intensity interval training over long intense sessions and focus more on quick, intense strength sessions. I only want to feed my body nutritious foods, again, not because of how I look, but because of how I feel. But I in no way judge others for how they eat. And I really, really want to drive home that. If you know me personally, I never want people to feel like I'm judging them for eating pizza if I'm eating salad. I genuinely love salad. It's not because I'm sacrificing. <laughs> I love salads. And if you want a donut, have that friggin' donut and listen to your body and what it wants, needs. Who am I to say what your body wants or needs or how it feels or what you activity you've done or whatever your situation is? That is up to you. And you just live your life. And Let's talk about cravings. Listen to your body and what it wants needs. It is fascinating to me how intelligent our bodies are. I feel I'm pretty synced with my body and I eat foods in their natural form or as close as possible. So my palate is pretty quote unquote cleansed, if you want to say. Therefore, when I crave certain foods, I can directly tie it to a deficiency I have or a bug my body is fighting. It's so cool to me. I love that. And remember, in nature and life, there are and should be ebbs and flows and cycles. Switch it up. This is effective for your mind and your body. 
Your body is made to save energy. It does this by recognizing patterns and adapting so you don't expend as much energy. This is great for energy conservation, but not so great if you're trying to level up and stay healthy and fit and challenge your body. And that's why it's important to change up and what, I'm sorry, that's why it's important to change up what and how much you eat and how and how long you work out. Keep your body guessing. Also, our bodies will fluctuate and change, especially women during certain times. I was just talking to my dad last night. Yesterday, the workout that I did was unusually tough. It just really took it out of me. And then we went on a bike ride later that day and it was, it just really drained me in ways it wasn't normal. And normally in the past, I would have beaten myself up like, get it together. Come on, you're fitter than this. You can do this. Why are you being a sissy lala? But with hormone fluctuations and ebbs and flows, I mean, it's just part of it. And if you have worked out for any amount of time, you Notice the changes in your body. Sometimes you can lift all the weights and just feel awesome and you can do the workout that you just did five times over and still feel ready to take on the world. And other days you can do maybe a quarter of your workout and be like, okay, I feel like I have never lifted a weight before in my entire life. And you can really relate to this again if you've worked out for consistently for a while. And that's just life, man. And it's your body and there are ebbs and flows. So just roll with it do what you can to take care of your body. And that's really all that matters. I mean, come on, there are so many variables in our environments and lives and those will affect us. So let's just release the pressure and roll with the punches. Just because you're feeling extra thick today doesn't mean you won't feel lean and mean tomorrow or even in the next hour. Feeling blah is not a death sentence. It's not interminable. You may feel ugly and gross and bloated one minute, then feel like a total god or goddess the next. So just relax. This too shall pass. Ride the waves and know nothing is permanent. The only constant is change. So let's accept and embrace it. It's so much more fun that way. And really, I am maxing out on my and society's bullshit. And that has really helped. And I'll talk about this later too, because this bears repeating. And that's just come with age. I mean, I've just run out of sorry to swear, but fucks to give. And it just is what it is. Most people, especially women, are held to impossible standards that don't take into account all of the beautiful variations of the human body. Am I right? I mean, I personally love variations and unique looking people. I really do. The more interesting someone looks, the more attractive, beautiful I find them. But this isn't to say I'm totally immune to society's programming. I was brought up in it. I've really learned to check myself and override my initial reactions when I see someone and hear that critical inner voice. I've actively learned to reframe what I find beautiful. Again, keyword active. You have to make a conscious active effort. So to actually truly think people of all shapes and sizes are gorgeous, that's come with deprogramming society's conditioning. And now I can genuinely and truly say I find all shapes and sizes beautiful, everybody beautiful in their own way. I see stretch marks as warrior marks. How really, how cool is that? And plus, inner glow carries the day. Think about someone who isn't necessarily conventionally beautiful, but they have this undeniable inner light and kick-ass personality and or amazing confidence. Boom, 
instantly way more appealing and attractive than someone with a perfect bod and bone structure. And humans, again, especially women, tend to spend so much time and energy focused on what we look like. I mean, think how many times you think about your appearance just over the course of one day. Try that experiment for one day. Check in with yourself. Tally it up. Don't do a drinking game because you might die. (laughs) But think about how many times you spend thinking about your exterior, your appearance. Are you often exhausted at the end of the day? As many of us are. Okay, think of how much energy you could free up if you directed it to actual worthwhile thoughts. What a radical concept. How many cool experiences and memories have you diminished or straight up missed out on, denied, because of insecurity over what you looked like, how people viewed you? Here's a question for you. What if every awesome life experience came with an extra wrinkle or pound? Would you still want it? I'll ask that again. What if every awesome life experience came with an extra wrinkle or pound? Would you still want it? What do you value more? Your images or your experiences? Think about that. Next point, say exactly what you mean. Be direct, be polite and kind, but firm. Ooh, and here's a big one. Try to stop excessively apologizing. This is for all you people pleasers and apologizers. Love you. This is for you. So are you a chronic apologizer? Do you apologize out of force of habit because you feel you should to ease awkwardness? And when you apologize, are you truly sorry? Again, no judgment either way. But if you are truly sorry, should you be? Is it even something you're responsible for or could have helped? For example, you and a stranger simultaneously reach for the same item at a grocery store. And instead of apologizing, you could simply say, excuse me, or go ahead. Because it's not your fault that you guys just happen to reach for the same thing at the same time, right? And honor yourself. Have your own back. Don't undermine yourself for apologizing by apologizing for things you didn't do. So please don't apologize for being curious. This isn't for those who are nosy. But don't apologize for being curious or attentive or taking up space or existing. Take accountability when appropriate. But beyond that, save your sorries for when they're due. And that way they'll mean even more. And think about it, there's also a gender element to this as well. Typically, you see women apologizing more than men, right? It feels like women, especially women in certain communities like the one I live in, feel the need to constantly apologize. That's not okay. And it seems we also, as women, feel compelled, well, not just as women, let me say as humans, women especially, but humans overall too, let's include the guys. We feel compelled to be effusive in all communications. So all exclamation marks to soften the blower, to show, no, I'm mad, I'm ha- or I'm not mad, I'm happy. And better sprinkle a bunch of them throughout the whole email or text. And depending on the setting or context, some emojis so you're not regarded as rude or bitchy. Why though? Come on. And women generally feel the need to avoid all costs seeming rude, bitchy, aggressive, or demanding. Many times, women overcompensate by being overly apologetic and accommodating, and that just ain't right. This could even downright endanger you. This may seem dramatic, but it's absolutely real and worth mentioning. Predators rely on this. Law enforcement and self-defense experts will tell you this. There are many, many cases of women getting hurt or killed because they ignored their instinct. They found themselves in a situation 
sense something was off or dangerous about the other person, often male, but not always, and overrode that gut feeling for fear of being impolite or off-putting. Please don't. Oprah offers an excellent podcast episode on this, and it's called Life-Saving Lessons, which aired on her Super Soul podcast on July 30th, 2019. So check that out. Again, Oprah's Super Soul podcast on July 30th, 2019, Life-Saving Lessons. It may be an eye-opener for you. Also, you're also more likely to be taken advantage of, not necessarily physically, but also financially, emotionally, etc., Try not to slip into a scarcity mindset or think everyone is out to get you. Not so, but just be aware. People may see your considerate nature as a weakness and pounce. And that's one of the many reasons why boundaries are so important. And as I've said a thousand times before, boundaries also prevent you from being resentful. They allow you to honor yourself and others. This isn't just about you and this isn't just about others balance. Remember, you have to take care of yourself and also consider others. This doesn't mean being soft is a negative. On the contrary, as Brene Brown points out, boundaries allow you to be more compassionate. And I think softness is a strength, truly. But there's a difference between intentional softness and meek, submissive softness. The former comes from strength and love for both self and others, while the latter comes from fear and doubt. To remain soft in a world that tries to make you hard, that's true power, right? So just please make sure you honor yourself in the process. And why is it not enough to directly and clearly express yourself without the extra mitigating punctuation to soften the blow? You can absolutely say your piece politely without the extra fluff. Try it, especially with those so-called awkward conversations Let's say your friend owes you money or you're unclear on terms of negotiation with someone. Just simply and directly broach the subject. It's incredible how if you just dare to speak to it, much if not all the awkwardness disappears. By dancing around or avoiding it, you're actually fueling the awkwardness. So ironically, you're making it worse. You're creating what you're trying to avoid. So just do the dang thing. It's faster. It's easier. It's clearer. It's better that way. And also, practice not getting offended or in your head when you receive a message without tons of exclamation marks or emojis. Try not to immediately spin out and conclude that person obviously hates you or is upset with you for something, though you have no idea what that could possibly be. Does that sound familiar? Because you didn't do anything. So try to get out of your head about it. It goes both ways. And also try to remember, if you think someone hates you or is upset with you, it's usually in your head. And if they're throwing out some pretty strong buzz off signals, then why not ask them directly? Stop the unnecessary and energy sucking tiptoeing. You deserve to know if you did something that upset them. And it might be hard to hear them out without getting defensive. Trust me, I get this, but try to. Extract your ego. Honor their feelings. Apologize if necessary, if you truly mean it right the wrong, and take further action if required or possible, and do your best to move on. Show yourself gentle but firm love. If you feel the claim is unwarranted or blown out of proportion, then kindly but firmly acknowledge their feelings, but also acknowledge your own. Communicate. It's not fair for you to be punished for something they're projecting onto you that they need to address personally within themselves and or with another. 
and passive aggression. Mm. This just wastes time and love and respect. So please, let's save ourselves a ton of time and energy, please. This goes for something as trivial as making plans to grab dinner or something as heavy as asserting boundaries. And ask for what you need. Know your worth and your due and ask accordingly. Try not to think you're imposing. Ask yourself if roles were reversed, would you do the same for them? If so, then boom. And even if you still get a no, be proud of yourself for respecting yourself. That's what it comes down to. Respecting others and respecting yourself. And be careful about people pleasing. It's a beautiful thing to want to help and accommodate people, but not if it's at the expense of your own welfare. Again, boundaries are key. And it doesn't have to be quid pro quo. It's wonderful to selflessly give without expectation or condition. But if it starts impacting your health and well-being, mental and physical, and you start feeling resentful, then that's your sign to pull back. If your compliance is demanded or expected, mm, no good. Your thoughts, feelings, and ideas matter too. You always have agency. You always have the power to choose. And it's your prerogative to use it no matter what another thinks. Boundaries are your responsibility. I will repeat, boundaries are your responsibility. People-pleasing hides the real you. That's not fair to the world or you. You have value to contribute whether you think you do or not. Swear it. Promise. Your superpower is your uniqueness. No one else has your perspective and voice. No one else. You belong, you matter, and the world needs to hear from you. You'll never please everyone and you'll burn yourself out trying to. When you try to please everyone, you block true connection with anyone. Connection happens when you're honest with someone and they're secure enough in themselves to respect you. If they don't respect you, that's on them. And as much as that can suck, it does sometimes. Trust me, I get it. It's liberating to work on accepting that. (laughs) To know it's not personal. It simply means they have their own shadow work and healing to do. You can actually have like empathy and compassion for them. Even though you don't have to condone what they do or how they act. You can just see that they just have insecurities and fear and work to do. My advice, it's a muscle. Strengthen it incrementally, little by little. Do baby steps. Start by standing up for yourself on minor issues. Then work your way up to the bigger ones. As your comfort and strength grow, then you can work your way up even more. And feel all of your emotions. Don't repress. Feel and observe each emotion as it comes up. The key is feeling and letting it pass through you, but not getting consumed by it. Identify the trigger or source. Emotions are messengers. They reveal where we still need to heal or what is healthy and right for us. Remove the pressure to be happy 24-7. It's unrealistic and it's a losing game. Plus, emotions are part of the gig of being human. They're what add richness and depth, balance, insight. Don't short yourself the full human experience. Plus, the lows just make the highs that much better. And as Gabrielle Bernstein advises in her latest book, Super Attractor, which I'm devouring and loving, big fan of hers, longtime fan of hers, if you're down and out, it's improbable you'll be able to go straight from bumming to beaming. After you've felt your feelings and derived whatever info or value you can from them, focus on the next big thing, the next best feeling, I should say. There's an emotional guidance scale that she provides and it's from abraham hicks actually if you if you're familiar with abraham hicks and i love it so i'll read from the bottom to the top so at the bottom we have fear grief depression despair powerlessness 
Next, we have insecurity, guilt, unworthiness, then jealousy, then hatred and rage, then revenge, above that anger, then discouragement, then blame, then worry, then doubt, then disappointment, then overwhelmment, then frustration, irritation, and impatience, then pessimism, then boredom, then contentment, then hopefulness, then optimism, then positive expectations and belief, then enthusiasm, eagerness, happiness, then passion, and finally at the top, joy, appreciation, empowerment, freedom, and love. So you start at the bottom and hopefully eventually make your way to joy. So we'll talk about this a little bit later, but you're not going to go straight from despair to contentment. That's a big, big jump. So just work your way up. Be patient with yourself. Focus on the next best feeling and live your truth. Denying who you are and what you what or who you're into will suck the life right out of you. Authenticity is freedom. I know this can be hard because you may receive resistance, criticism, etc. But your freedom, health, and happiness are on the line. No exaggeration. It's totally up to you. If others are dishing out conditional love or acceptance, do you really want that? It's up to you to give yourself unconditional love and acceptance and ideally also give it to others as well. And again, it's up to you to set the boundaries and allow and filter what is let into your life. Okay, never speak bad about yourself or try not to. No more self-deprecating, especially when you're receiving compliments. Own those compliments. Even if they feel foreign and not natural, even if they give you anxiety, it does more for you and for the complimenter to just accept them. Doesn't it feel great when you compliment someone and they say thank you? It just feels not so great when you compliment someone and they just brush it off or say no or deny it. I mean, it just... It's kind of just a block, right? Like it just feels so good when someone accepts your compliment and says thank you. And so if you get anxiety, I joke, I have a friend and she says that she gets such anxiety when people pay her compliments. And I relate to this actually on a little level and just sit with the burn. If you um, feel uncomfortable when someone pays you a compliment, just sit through it. Get familiar with that burn. It'll pass and it'll get better. It's a muscle, strengthen it. And don't be afraid to say no and don't be afraid to say yes. Just go for it. Don't be intimidated by your own power and light. I love this quote by Marianne Williamson. And I first heard it in Coach Carter, and you guys may have heard it before. It really resonates with me. So tell me if it does with you. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear and presence, our presence automatically liberates others. I love that so much. And if you don't believe in God, or I don't know if you believe in a higher power, whatever it is, just you can take that at face value and extract the basic message there. Don't hide from your light. 
if you let yourself shine, this gives others permission to shine. And the same goes for self-care too, in general. If you take care of yourself, this gives others permission and it's a form of leadership to take care of yourself because then it shows others that they can and should take care of themselves as well. And so back to this, I think one of the reasons why our own light and power scare us is we're scared of the fall. We often don't trust when things go well, right? We're on edge. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop. So to control our presumed inevitable disappointment, we sabotage ourselves. That way we won't feel that way we feel we won't have as far to fall. We'll feel in control when in reality, we're just cheating ourselves out of immeasurable success and happiness is what it comes down to. We're just sabotaging ourselves and shortcutting ourselves. Life is meant to be enjoyed. We're meant to succeed and feel good. Believe that, trust that. And if this is something that you still struggle with, I highly recommend looking into Gabrielle Bernstein in any of her books, especially her latest book, Super Attractor. At the very least, look her up on Instagram. It could very well change your life and be that missing link you've been seeking. Let go of what you can't control. Just release and allow. One of my favorite mantras is, I relax and let go. My life is in perfect flow. It really helps me when I try to start controlling things in my life that I can't necessarily control. And when I get too hyped up or in my head or tense. And as the saying goes, I love this. May we have the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And life happens. There are a lot of moving parts. We're not the only ones in this world. It's full of people with their own dreams, goals, and agendas. Sometimes those clash with ours. And things won't go according to plan. Things will fall apart, usually so better things can fall together. And I am a big believer that life happens for us, not to us. Each obstacle or drawback is a chance for us to level up, to learn and grow. And we may not be able to control everything, but we can control our response. We can control what we do with what happens to us. We can alchemize the so-called bad into good. We can control what energy and vibes we emanate into the world, thereby controlling what we attract. A great practice for recognizing and extracting the value of any situation, particularly the less than ideal situations, is to frame it as, this is good because it, that can be really powerful and reframe whatever situation you're in. And let's avoid drama and negativity. Do what we can to eliminate it in our lives. Sometimes this means cutting people out of our life. Sometimes this means having hard come to Jesus talks with people and whatever it entails, please remember you're saving your mental and emotional health by protecting how your energy is spent. It's part of self-care. Be kind to yourself. Praise yourself. Give yourself grace. Attend to your basic needs. And this sounds trivial, but how many of us actually don't? Rest when you're tired. Eat when you're hungry. You know the drill. Sure, sometimes there are complicating factors. Tired parents, I'm looking at you. Students, I got you. But please do the very best you can. Show up for yourself. Bet on yourself. Take care of yourself. And I told you that we would talk about it again, and here we are. This is especially for the ladies, but for everybody. Please try accepting yourself. Accept how your body moves and looks. Who says it needs to look a certain way? Society? Your ex? I really hope it's not your current. And if you have received any external judgment or criticism, it's not personal. It's society that's sick, that's brainwashed people into believing there is a beauty ideal. Why do we accept aberrations in nature, but not in ourselves? 
We accept trees that grow a certain way, animals that come in all shapes and sizes. Not only do we accept the differences, we celebrate them. Giraffes are rad. Sloths are cute. Elephants are majestic. Yet humans, who are natural animals, somehow need to conform to a very certain rigid ideal to be considered attractive? Does that make sense? No. Why? How much energy and time do we waste on what someone looks like? If you really stop and ponder that, you'll likely soon see how ludicrous that is. We have a finite amount of mental and emotional energy. Think of it like a bank account. How much do we toss away on analyzing and agonizing over what we look like or even what others look like? How many fun experiences have you missed out on, again, because you felt too fat, tall, short, ugly, etc.? And even if you physically showed up, were you emotionally present or were you obsessing and holding back? You're missing out on life, man. And remember the whole emotional skill we talked about? Anger is above fear and insecurity. So if you need to, channel your anger rather than just sitting down and taking it and resigning yourself to feelings of sadness and adequacy and rejection, get ticked. Get angry at a sick and twisted ideal. Get mad at the industries exploiting and profiting from our insecurities. Let's say no more. Get back in the game. Because eventually, if you keep moving forward, you'll evolve to the point where you're able to give others grace for having been born into such bullshit. And that bullshit generates and exploits our fears and our insecurities, and we're all affected by it at some point. And let's give ourselves grace. We're society, so if we change ourselves, this has a ripple effect and changes society, and we can stop perpetuating the stupid ideals. And if you're really deep in the self-loathing muck, don't pressure yourself to immediately be jazzed on your body. Again, you got to gradually move up the scale. You won't jump right to pure delight. But if you commit to yourself and commit to moving forward, you can eventually get there. And it may feel more doable to shoot for body neutrality, which is just what it sounds like. You neither hate nor love your body. You accept it and it is what it is. This is much, much better than actively hating it, right? Think of all the extra time and energy this will free up. Oh, wow. And to conclude, love. It's the answer to everything, no matter the question. Love for yourself, love for others. That's just what it comes down to in the end, right? And you could really get deep with that. But let's just end with saying love yourself and love others. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I hope you found some value in this. Please let me know if you did. I hope that you feel better about yourselves and others after this. And love to all. Thank you. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you.